certainly glad that you're here. And uh, the thing that I would like for John John to know is make your papa give you a little money today because he needs to do that for you. Okay, make sure he gives you a little money for before you go home. The account of Zacchaeus takes place about one week prior to the crucifixion of our Lord. Luke began this portion of his letter by telling Theophilus of a stopover that Jesus made as he was on the way to pay the price for our sins. Now this delay occurred in Jericho. Jericho was located seven miles from the Jordan River and seventeen and a half miles from Jerusalem. Now as this was taking place and as time had been unfolding, Jesus had been fulfilling the duties for which He had been sent to the earth. He was teaching His disciples of the kingdom to come. He had done the will of the Father. He had fulfilled the things that He asked Him to do. And He was nearing the end of His personal ministry here on earth. The feast of the Passover was upon them. And many of the Jews, those who tried to be faithful to the Father, they were headed to Jerusalem, making their way to celebrate the great occasion whereupon God had presented His power to the Jewish nation while they were held in captivity. Now all of that would explain the large crowds that followed Jesus at that time. Of course, we remember during this part of His ministry, Jesus was very popular among the people, among the common people, that is, and His fame had spread far and wide. Everyone knew about the Son of David, the man who claimed to be the Son of God, and all the great things that He had done, the miracles that He had performed, and the great teachings that He had taught. Of course, being... in proximity to the crowd as he always was, he had encountered very many interesting individuals up to this point in his ministry. We remember the ten lepers, nine of who were not thankful to him for their cleansing of leprosy. We remember the rich young ruler who could not give himself wholly to the Lord. And then we remember the beggar who would not be silenced. But at this point in the letter, The letter written to Theophilus, the reader's attention, is then drawn toward a little man. This little man, of course, we are very familiar with him. And that's how we think of Zacchaeus, isn't it? The little man. The wee little man who climbed up into a sycamore tree. He's known for that. Our children sing about him in Bible class. They sing about him in vacation Bible schools. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want us to notice some other things about Zacchaeus this day. As we study him a little more, I believe it will become clearer to us that Zacchaeus did more than just simply climb a tree. He ought to be more known for his great character than of his short stature. And I think he will be. Looking at Zacchaeus in probably the greatest day in his physical life, I want us to learn some things. I want us to take apart this passage for a few moments this morning, make some application to our lives today, and I want us to begin with Zacchaeus the sinner. It would have been easy for this little man to have gotten caught up in the crowd and just been another face, wouldn't it? But see, that's not exactly what happened. 
As Jesus walked through the midst of this crowd, our attention is taken away from the press or the crowd to an individual. Just one individual. But that's not a strange thing for the Lord, is it? The Lord not only notices crowds, but He notices individuals. He is our personal Savior. We have to have an individual relationship with Jesus because without it, we have no relationship with Jesus. See, in order to become part of the elect, and I believe in the elect, to become part of the elect, we have to make a choice. We have to choose to become Christians. We have to choose to become a part of the group that Jesus said He would save. But what makes up that group, the church? Individuals. Individuals make that. We are the church. The individual is the church. We make up followers of Christ. And so we have to have an individual, a personal relationship with Him. Notice what He emphasized. He said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows, Luke 12, 6 through 7. If God is concerned with the whole of creation, and He is, is He not more concerned for His greatest creation? Of course He is. And He is concerned on an individual, personal level. Now we're known by our Lord individually, and the Lord knew Zacchaeus by name. Now I want us to notice we're given three very important facts about Zacchaeus in verse 2 of our passage. First of all, we learned that Zacchaeus was a publican. A publican was an under-collector of Rome for revenue. They gathered up the money that was owed to Rome. They were despised just by the very nature of their job. And we understand that more when we come to understand that a publican was in fact a tax collector. And nobody likes to pay taxes, then or now. So he was hated and he was despised. But that's not the only reason he was despised. He was despised because as a Jew... He had accepted a position within the Roman government and by virtual reality he had stated through his actions that Rome was in control of the nation of Israel and they were in subjection to the emperor. And they viewed that, his fellow countrymen, as a treasonous position to hold. And they were so unworthy in the minds of everyone else, they were classified and grouped together with harlots, with sinners, and with the heathen. That's how badly they were hated. Now the second piece of information that we're given is not only was he a publican, not only was he a tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. It is believed that chief publicans were in charge of a certain region, a certain area. And then the under-publicans or the regular publicans were in subjection to them in this certain district. And Matthew was just an ordinary publican. We read about him. He was an ordinary 
tax collector, but see, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And as if those first two reasons were not enough for his countrymen to hate Zacchaeus, he was also a very wealthy and a rich man. Of course, they believed that he gained his riches through deceit, through underhanded tactics, and through stealing and thievery by charging more than what Rome expected to gain from their taxes. It's often been stated in history as these people are studied that Rome required a certain amount of taxes from each publican. And anything you gained beyond that, you could just put it in your pocket. And so, of course, they would have viewed Zacchaeus as a thief. Yet another reason to hate him. I want us to notice something, though. We see that Jesus notices individuals. He notices sinners. He notices those who are not a part of His family. He notices those who are not followers of Him, whether they've never been a follower of Him, or whether they were at one time faithful but are no longer. But there's something else I want us to notice. It isn't enough for Jesus to notice an individual. If we are going to take advantage of His great love, we must show an interest in Him. And we see that in Zacchaeus, don't we? Zacchaeus had to show an interest. And Zacchaeus did. He wanted to get a little closer, didn't he? He wanted to look a little further. He wanted to investigate a little more. But you know what did not help him? His riches did not help him gain access to Jesus. Now we would not even know that this man was a rich man by the way the crowd was treating him unless we had been told. But the rich man wanted to get close. The press of the crowd was limiting his access to Jesus, but his riches didn't help him get there. His riches didn't help him any more than the beggar's riches hindered him from getting to Jesus or lack of riches. The beggar didn't have anything, but that didn't stop him getting closer to Jesus. Zacchaeus had most things, but that did not help him get close to Jesus. Both Zacchaeus and the two beggars, Christ met. And they had what they needed to get close to Him, an interest. We have to have an interest. We have to have a desire to be what God wants us to be. I believe Zacchaeus wanted to see what all the fuss was about. No doubt he had heard the stories. He had heard about the things that Christ had done or supposedly had done, maybe in his mind, I don't know. But he wanted to get a glimpse of this man as he was traveling through the countryside. I believe he was interested for the same reasons we ought to be interested. He knew that Jesus offered something that he could not gain anywhere else. Jesus offers something today that we cannot gain anywhere else. That's the application to this section of the passage. We have to look for Jesus. We have to abide in Him. We have to dedicate ourselves to Him. We have to bend the knee to Him. We have to understand that He offers something for us. Zacchaeus understood that. All of the riches that he had did not help him gain what he knew he needed. What he knew was missing in his life. 
We need to understand that. And if we're going to truly appreciate what Zacchaeus was trying to gain, we've got to understand that. I think we can see a very clear change in the life of Zacchaeus as this account unfolds, as we listen and we read and and in our mind's eye we see the little man up in the tree looking for the one who could change his life. I think we notice this transition from a sinner to a sinner who was a seeker. He was a seeker. And he had a purpose, didn't he? He sensed the need for urgency. He knew he had to do something. So we have to understand our purpose. And I think as Theophilus read this letter, he would have understood that purpose. He would have understood the need for Zacchaeus to get close to Jesus. I want us to notice what he did. He ran ahead of the crowd. He knew that he needed to do something. He could not just stand there. We can't just wait for Jesus to come to us. We have to reach out to Him. He said, knock on the door and I'll open it. See, we have to put forth an effort. We have to show interest. We have to have a purpose. But his desire and his moving ahead of the crowd was not enough. He had to do other things. And so then he climbed up in the tree for which he is so famous. He wanted to get a better look. Our belief alone is not going to allow access to Christ. We have to have it. Zacchaeus had to have an interest. He had to want to be there. He had to have a desire to move ahead of the crowd. He had to understand that he needed something from Christ. And he understood all of that. But what if he had just simply said, I can't get through the crowd. Remember the song, he was a wee little man, right? It was hard, no doubt, for him to elbow his way through that press of people. We need to understand what kind of a group that was. It was thick with people. Having a desire to gain what they knew Jesus could give them. Can you imagine the people that would gather in downtown Chattanooga if someone said, I can heal the sick, bring everyone that you love and know. How long would it be before the word spread beyond our city? We wouldn't be able to get there. There would be so many people. So we have to understand that. He had to put forth this effort. He had to understand that his believing that was not enough. He had to do something. And so do we. A willing heart to do necessary things is paramount. We have to be willing to do things, don't we? But it's only a start. It's only a start. But it's a good start. It's the right start. But we can't stop there. We remember all those people whom the writer of Hebrews spoke of in in his letter. Chapter 11, in our chapter 11, he talked about all those great people of faith. But what kind of faith did they have? We talked about that in class this morning. They had an obedient faith. Let's think about some of the things they did. We read about Abel who offered the correct sacrifice. We read about Enoch who walked with God. He was the man God needed him to be at the time God needed him to be that man. Noah built an ark. 
Abraham packed up his belongings and left Ur of the Chaldees. And like all these people of faith, Zacchaeus did something. He had to make contact. He had to understand that that was necessary. He ran ahead and he climbed the sycamore tree. He got up where he could make connection. He got up to where he could be seen as an individual. The writer of Hebrews stated that we must believe that He is. Hebrews 11 verse 6. We have to have a plan. And when we look at the plan Zacchaeus incorporated, it wasn't just a plan of belief. See, the writer of Hebrews doesn't stop there. He said we must believe that He is who He said He was. But then he goes on to say we must diligently seek Him. So often we leave that out. That is amongst a slew of verses that I will use from time to time half of. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Okay, I agree with that. But what kind of faith? A faith that says I'm diligent in seeking after Him. We see that in Zacchaeus. We have to have that. Zacchaeus had a plan. And that's what he did. He was resolute in seeing the Lord. He wasn't going to be stopped. I want us to think of something for a few moments. I want us to think about our situations in life. Each of us, individually, for just a moment. I want us to to reflect internally on where we are. Paul said, examine yourselves. Know ye not, whether you be in the faith. See, I'm the only one that knows whether I'm in the faith or not. A lot of people probably think I am or know I am. But who truly understands? Who truly knows whether I am in the faith? Me? The Lord? I want us to think for just a moment. If the Lord came back today, if... I lost my life through a terrible accident. If some terrible thing happened and my time on earth ended, am I happy where I am today in relationship to the Lord? Am I an individual who has a purpose? Am I an individual who had a plan to be obedient to what God wants me to do? Can I stand before the judgment bar, will I be able to hold my head up looking into the eyes of the judge, in Paul's words, loving his appearing? You know, if I can't say yes to that, that ought to be a terrifying thought in my mind. Because here is the thing that we know to be true in this world. At some point, we cease to exist physically. At some point, we leave this world. There's not a person here that has not been affected by death in some way. Am I happy where I'm standing? What's the application for today? There are things that would allow me to get off track. There are things that would allow me to lose my focus on eternal life. Jesus talked about the sower. He talked about seed that fell amongst thorns. And when those thorns came up, they choked out the the seed, the Word. He said the seed was the Word. 
It's the gospel being planted in the heart of someone, and it takes root and it grows in faith, becomes a part of that person. They become obedient to that gospel, but then something happens. The cares of this world come up like thorns come up and choke out the things that we've planted. And I allow this life on occasion to choke out my faith. And I allow myself to become distracted. And then you know what happens? The next day comes along. The next day comes along. And then I become kind of okay with where I am. But see, I need to examine myself. I need to look inwardly and I need to say am I standing where I need to stand am I going to be the, the, the seed that grew and the thorns choked it out see because we're going to stand before God one day and we're going to hear one of two things we're going to hear well done thou good and faithful servant or we're going to hear depart from me I don't know who you are now he may have known us at one time I think a very interesting thing happened to Zacchaeus as we see him putting this plan into place. I think that Zacchaeus went from being a seeker to one being sought. The Lord was seeking Zacchaeus, wasn't He? Just as much as Zacchaeus was seeking the Lord. How do we know that? Notice the request. He told the little man, he said, Make haste and come down. For today I must abide at that house. Zacchaeus had not only seen the Lord, the Lord had seen Zacchaeus. The Lord had reached out to Zacchaeus, but He reaches out to all people. So what made Zacchaeus special? He was seeking Christ. He was putting forth the effort. He is here for us if we will accept Him. I think Zacchaeus got more than he bargained for that day, don't you? I think that day became the greatest day in the history of Zacchaeus' physical life on earth. He wanted to just get a glimpse of the Savior, and he hosted him in his home. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Christ coming to our individual homes? Would I be proud of that? If Christ came to my home? What if there was a was a knock on the door and I went and opened the door and there was my Lord and He could see through the door into what was on my television screen. Would I be happy with that? What if He went over to my refrigerator and opened the door and looked into my refrigerator? Would there be anything in there I would not want Him to see? What if I walked out from cleaning up, taking a shower, and I'd put my clothes on, and I stepped out, and I didn't realize the Lord was there, but I was going out into public, and He saw how I was dressed. Would He be happy with that? We think about Christ coming to the home of Zacchaeus, but we ought to think about what He saw when He got there. Would He see a family who loved the Lord? Would He see a family who spent time in His Word? Would He see a family who said, I'm going to be what God wants me to be. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. I think we see that in Zacchaeus. I think he got more than he bargained for. He got to sit with the Lord. He got to eat with Him. He got to converse with Him. I can't even imagine something like that. 
No wonder Zacchaeus reacted in the way that he did. After all, the Lord was coming to his home, the Creator of all things, the promised Messiah. Now you have to remember, Zacchaeus was a Jew. He knew about that. He understood who Jesus was. Luke used the exact words of Jesus' request in saying what Zacchaeus did. Jesus said to make haste, and he made haste, didn't he? He came down out of the tree. He didn't wait around. He didn't have to be begged to come into the presence of Jesus, did he? Have you ever studied with someone and you almost felt like you just had to beg them and plead with them to be obedient to the gospel? Have you ever interacted with mature Christians? Those people have been Christians for years and years and you just had to beg them and plead them to to, to act like a Christian and to be faithful. And every time you turn around, someone's getting their feelings hurt and you have to walk around on eggshells. Have you ever felt that way towards people who claim to be Christians? We shouldn't have to do that. I think that Luke was certainly trying to impress upon us with Zacchaeus' willingness to be obedient to him. He didn't have to ask him twice. He didn't say, now, Zacchaeus, I asked you to come down. Come on down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. I want to come to your home with you today, Zacchaeus. Come on down. I'm not going to wait around forever. I know you think that you're going to live forever. But one day, you're going to knock. I won't be able to answer. We all ought to receive the Lord with this type of gladness. You know, we feel that way a lot of times towards sports figures, don't we? Well, we want to get in their presence, want to get our pictures made with them. I've done it. I drove from Memphis one time to Franklin, Tennessee to get my picture made with Butch Jones, the head coach of the University of Tennessee. Sometimes I wouldn't drive across town to go to a gospel meeting where faithful brethren is preaching. I believe this treatment towards Zacchaeus warmed his heart. Because I don't think he was used to that. Once again, as we read the account, we see that the Jews, the chief priests, the publicans, all those people who thought they knew more, they missed it again. They showed their lack of understanding and their willingness to be ignorant on the, on the issues, the things that God wanted them to know. It was this same group of people that tried to Stop the two beggars from bothering the Lord as he went through. After all, they're beggars, and we're looking for a, an earthly king who can come and throw the yoke of oppression off of us from Rome. He, do, he doesn't need to be bothered with two beggars, let alone a publican, a chief publican, a rich chief publican who had been cheating the people, who has thrown in with Rome, who's a traitor to this nation that's going to rise up again and be a physical power on earth, they didn't get it. But that's not the first time they missed it, was it? That wasn't the exception, that was the rule. Missing it. Matthew recorded Matthew 9, 10-12. He said, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with Him and His disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, 
They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Jesus was seeking. Zacchaeus was being sought. And because of the way he lived his life at this particular point in history, because of the actions that he willingly partook of, he became a part of the saved. I think we see an immediate change in this little man because he understood what repentance was. He understood what it meant to change your life. He understood and he was willing to go the extra mile to correct any wrong that he may have done. We see that in his statement. Listen again to what he said. He said, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. We do not need to understand that statement as he is saying, that's what I do on a daily basis. That's how I live my life. We need to understand that statement for its intention. This is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to bring forth works meet for repentance. Paul declared, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And we see that in Zacchaeus. We see that in this little man. What a wonderful example. Because of his change of heart, Jesus declared salvation has come to your house today. We see the rewards for repentance. He understood that to mean more than I'm going to change. He understood that more than I'm just going to do it in a different way now where it's not as apparent. He understood that meant true change. Peter commanded, he said, that we are to repent and be converted. Acts 3.19 Repent of what you're doing. Be converted. Change your life. Turn toward God. Truly be what He wants us to be. In his, breach, in his preaching, John said that we were to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, Luke 3.8. Examples of repentance. Works worthy of repentance. We ought to be able to determine if someone's faithful or not. I think Zacchaeus was going to do that. He wanted to do that. I have no reason to believe that he didn't live his life that way. David proclaimed in his plea to the Lord, He said, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. What about all of those Israelites that were making sacrifice to God, but they were getting the sorriest ones out of the herd they could find. They're going to get the sheep and the goats who are lame, the ones who aren't worth anything, and they were offering that to the Lord. That's not what the Lord wants. Why didn't they offer the good offerings, the good sacrifices? Because they didn't have a broken spirit. They didn't have a contrite heart. A contrite heart will lead to the sacrifices that God wants. We read nothing else in David's life about him ever having another adulterous relationship. I think he was sincere. 
I think through the belief that Jesus Christ is exactly who He says He is, is going to lead us to proper repentance. Proper repentance will lead us to confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because we believe it. Believing that and confessing that with our mouths will lead us to want to get into the water, be immersed for the forgiveness of sin so we can be a member of His church. Then, of course, I believe that will lead to living a life of faithfulness. And that's what He wants. That's what He wants. Zacchaeus was certainly a little man who is well known for his ability to climb trees. He's well known for his short stature. But I think what he ought to be known for is his willingness to believe, his willingness to repent, his willingness to confess that Jesus was who he said he was, and allowing his faith to be an obedient faith. Zacchaeus lived under a different time than what we do. He lived under the time of the law of Moses. And he had, to, he had to do some things. He had to right his wrongs. Now we don't do it the same way that Zacchaeus does. We do it the way that Christ established for us after his death. Different mode. Same manner. Faith through obedience. I think we see clearly Zacchaeus was a sinner. He was a seeker. He was sought. He became a part of the saved. Zacchaeus is a great example for us. I don't want us to overlook one very important thing as we close and the lesson is yours. Zacchaeus was willing to be saved. We don't think about that very often, do we? Or at least I don't. The Lord can no doubt save us. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. He can hear us. He can reach out to us. But I have to want to be saved. I have to want to change my life. And Christ has set forth how that happens. We've talked about that. The initial plan of salvation. Sometimes we step out of line like Zacchaeus. He was a a child of Abraham. He was a child of God. And become unfaithful. But he came back. And we do that through... Repentance, confession, and prayer, whether publicly or privately. The conditions of pardon have never changed. God's grace accessed through our obedient faith. If you've never obeyed the gospel this morning, do that. Use the example of Zacchaeus. Come to the Lord. If you've done that, yet you've become unfaithful. Don't lose your soul over sitting in your seat. Let that be known as we stand and as we sing.